This podcast covers serious crimes and subject matter that may be distressing to some audience members. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone, and welcome to True Crime on Our Minds podcast. I'm Dawn, and with me is my sister and co-host, Debbie. How are you? I'm good. Cold, but I'm good. I'm here. Cold? We had to turn the air conditioner back on. <laughs> yeah, well, we got uh, that cold front came through here, so we actually had some snow. We're about 30 degrees colder than we normally are this time of year. We're unusually warm, which is good for my garden, but not for our electricity bill. Well, we have something different for our listeners today. After the release of our episode 8, Foul Play, The Murder of Marty Durham, Marty's first wife, Christina Keller, reached out to us. And for those of you who have not listened to episode 8, we suggest that you do so before continuing. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to follow along with the story. So uh, we were hoping to do an audio interview with Christina, but we were unable to coordinate schedules. She was, however, kind enough to answer our questions over email, and she has been working on a blog herself, so we were able to pull some information from that. In the emails, she provided us with her side of the story. So this episode will be a little different in the fact that it'll be in the format of a Q&A. We wanted to provide Christina's answers just as she wrote them. So Debbie will read the question and I will read Christina's responses. To give a quick recap of episode eight, Marty and Glenna Durham were found shot in their home on May 13th, 2015 by their neighbor. Marty had succumbed to five gunshot wounds, but Glenna, who has sustained two shots in the head, was still alive. When Christina and Marty were married, they had three children and an African gray parrot named Bud. When the couple divorced, though, Bud went to live with Marty, but after Marty's death, Bud went back to live with Christina, and she also has a, another parrot. Shortly after, she noticed that Bud would rant in two distinct voices, so she video recorded him. Although Christina does believe Bud witnessed and was repeating the argument that led up to the shooting, to her dismay, the video made its way to the news media and sensationalized the murder. Christina is on a mission to pull the focus back to the facts of Marty's murder and away from Bud's video. Again, we want to stress that we are providing Christina's responses to our questions from her own research and involvement with the crime. She has also sent us numerous photos of the crime scene, Glenna's injuries, and police reports, which we will add to the episode gallery on our website, truecrimeminds.com. So here we go with the Q&A. Debbie will read the question, and then I'll respond verbatim from what Christina emailed us. Can you give our listeners a little background on yourself and your relationship to Marty and Glenna? I met Marty in 1987 when I was 15. I went to a house party with a friend that happened to be at Marty's house. Marty was 18. Literally, as soon as I walked in, Marty dropped what he was doing and who he was talking to and came to me instantly. He was very drawn to me and made it very obvious to all around us his first words were, hello, I'm Marty, and you are the woman I'm going to marry. 
I giggled and thought he was adorable, but at 15, I didn't feel whatever Marty felt that night. As the night went on, we all drank together and had fun. When I woke up the next day, my mom told me a boy was at the door for me, and it was Marty, and literally from then on, we were almost together daily. Marty was sweet and adored me. I heard Glenna's name later on as he told me a married girl named Glenna he had sex with in the past would not leave him alone. Me being a 15-year-old told him, well, you need to deal with her and end it or leave me alone. He never seen Glenna after that day. And in parentheses, she said, confirmed by friends and family. Marty was truly in love with me and only me once he met me. Were you and Marty close after his marriage to Glenna? The divorce was absolutely devastating for us both. At 27 and 13 years with Marty and after his accident, that put young 23-year-old self in a caregiver role with three toddlers was too much. I loved Marty and would care for him. I just wasn't in love in a sexual way anymore. It took a few years for him to be able to see me and we did become friends after a few years. So by the time Marty reconnected with Glenna five years later, yes, we were getting along and friends. Marty and Glenna were found on the 13th of May. Did the medical examiner pin down a time of death? We read it was sometime between the evening of the 11th and the morning of the 13th. From your email, it appears you believed he was killed around bedtime on the 11th or on the very early morning of the 12th. You had indicated a couple of times that the residents smelled of death. It's all about the phone usage because the ME couldn't give an exact time of death. Marty's 9.34 p.m. May 11th phone usage. But Glenna searching the weapon last at 4.48 a.m. May 12th and Marty not answering texts at 8.30 a.m. May 12th gives an approximate time frame between 5 a.m. and 8.30 a.m. May 12th and found May 13th, 3.30 p.m. Connie, the neighbor, mentioned the smell. And then I'm just going to add on that when she talks about the 8.30 texts, And what we mentioned in the previous episode was that they're very close friends to their neighbors, the Reams. And so she's talking about the text from Keith Ream. Um, Every morning, Keith would text Marty and Marty would respond. But that was one of the things that kind of alerted the, the neighbors is that Marty wasn't responding to any of Keith's texts. When do you think Glenna shot herself and how soon after Marty? We don't think soon after with the fact that she took time to get all of her writing materials together with her cigarettes, went to the bathroom connected to their bedroom where Marty lay dying or dead. And not that it was mentioned in the trial, but the kids seen a box of old cards between Marty and Glenna and a chair in the kitchen pulled out almost like she drug out the box and was reminiscing after. And then in parentheses, she says, I have seen pictures of the kitchen and I agree. So I do not believe she did it right away or even the same day, maybe May 12th. I feel it was May 13th morning or even later. One report said that the first couple of times the neighbor came over to check on Marty and Glenna, the door was locked, but not on the 13th. What are your thoughts about that? That's true. Connie testified in court that she tried the door and even windows first two times and all were locked, the third time unlocked. Honestly, it could be Glenna was out of it or purposely ignoring door on May 12th. 
Maybe by the second time, May 13th, in AM, she had already shot herself. Parentheses, maybe. We have also thrown around the idea since the fire was down the road and her hearing the sirens could have scared her into finally shooting herself. Pretty obvious the letters were already written, but she was just too scared to pull the trigger on herself. It seems so weird that Glenna would hole up in the house for two days with Marty's body, but given the fact that the door was locked and then unlocked and that they weren't seen for days, that seems to be the case. Exactly. At least more than 24 hours, Marty was dead before Glenna shot herself and almost 40 by the time he was found. So I don't remember where I saw this, but there was a report that stated Glenna was sitting up when Reams found her, but laying down when first responders arrived. Do you think that she was conscious the whole time? I thought it was weird that with people in and out of the house and the dog barking and other commotion, that she did not move until her wrist was touched. Yes, Connie states Glenna was in prone position sitting up and first report stated she was laying down. Very odd and to me proves she was very much awake and needing to be found. Parentheses faking. Yes, dog was very active and aggressive. Glenna was awake. She got up and unlocked that door at some point and by then just needed the nightmare over. When we did the first report, we wondered why Reams ran to the firefighters instead of calling 911. Do you have any input on that? Honestly, I can't answer that for her other than shock. I don't know if she didn't have her phone on her person and the first responders were literally right next door. You mentioned in your email to us that Glenna was found covered in dog feces. Tell us what you know about her injuries and her overall condition when she was found. Yes, police reports state her shirt and pants were covered in dog feces and smushed dog feces throughout the house. Whether she fell in it around the house or if the dog out of fear pooped on her, that is not known. And then this is me talking myself. I just think that was so weird and so gross because I didn't remember reading anything about the dog feces. But yeah, it makes me wonder if when she shot herself, she slipped in it and fell or what was going on with it, because obviously the dog hadn't been detended to in days. Now, the gun was found in the living room under a chair, but Marty and Glenna were in the bedroom. Do you think it was Glenna's intention to claim an intruder was responsible? It's hard to say her frame of mind after shooting herself. Before, possibly thought a different route. As for gun, it really wasn't fully under the chair and could be seen clearly. Parentheses wasn't hidden. Just laying slightly under the same chair she shot herself in, and why after she went to where Marty was, who knows? Also, we read that a family member that claimed to be a psychic told investigators where to find the gun. How did this occur? We've read varying statements about where the gun was found. Police reports tell me that Fran the psychic spoke with police weeks after murder weapon was found. Gun was found very quickly as it was not hidden. Honestly, Fran is a fake and hates Marty's mom and siblings. Always has, and why she is even involved in the case is beyond us. She is an attention seeker. She called police stating she had information only to be involved. She was told by other family where the gun was found long before her insertion of the case. And telling police something was under the couch, that is what she said, not the gun. So, the suicide letters were on the floor in an envelope labeled personal. 
Investigators missed this and were unaware of the contents until your children brought them forth. Is that correct? Correct. The manila envelope was marked personal and had Glenna's mom's name and two phone numbers written on it. They moved the envelope around the living room in pictures I have, but never opened it. Thank you for the link to the podcast, The Minds of Madness, in which you and Marty's sister were interviewed. It was the first I'd heard that a pillow with two gunshots was found at the scene. Were investigators able to confirm that Glenna used the pillow to cover her own head when shooting herself? Yes, confirmed. It was the pillow she used to shoot herself. Two shots fired lined up with two wounds on her head, parentheses, top right ear, and one inch over. Looks like one of those shots skimmed her ear and went through the arm of the chair she sat in, and her blood confirmed on the pillow. Also, we appreciate the photos of Glenna's injuries. In the Minds of Madness podcast, Justin Rimmel, a former Marine, discussed the different rounds found at the scene, hollow points and 22 jacketed rounds. He suggested that Glenna knew enough about the rounds to know that using a pillow over her head, aiming for the back of her skull, and using the jacketed round had a lesser chance of being fatal. In fact, Glenna's wound behind her ear consisted of just bullet fragments, and she did not need surgery. Anything to add to this? I don't know much about what round was used to shoot herself compared to Marty. Part of why I'm getting court transcripts. So where was Bud in the house when the shootings happened? Like what room? Bud was in the kitchen doorway connected to the living room, about 10 feet from chair Glenna shot herself in, and maybe 20 feet from Marty's room. Very small house. We were surprised at how quickly the police released the residents. What are your thoughts on the police investigation of the residents? Well, the police, from the minute they saw Glenna, the foreclosure papers, and the gun, quickly assumed she was the person that shot Marty and shot herself. If they would have opened the envelope they took 10 pictures of and found letters, this would not be an issue. But sadly, they did not, and hence the reason my kids were drugged into their dad's and murder investigation. They could have done a better job for sure. You said in your email that Glenna's cousin said she bought pills from Marty and Glenna for $800. What was that all about? Apparently, Glenna sold some of Marty's pain meds to her family. She mentioned it in her interview and the cousin in question was spoken to. Not much else was really talked about it. And over 15 bottles of meds were still in the home, so it was not believed to be a crazy drug addict that came in and did this. You were very outspoken about whether Marty suspected the house was in foreclosure or whether he truly believed Glenna. What was the overall opinion of the family when they found out the house was in foreclosure? Did they initially believe Glenna's statement that it was a misprint? None believed his house was in foreclosure until after. Marty's mom believed Glenna when she told her it was a mistake in the paper. Marty would never allow his house to go in foreclosure and be homeless. Never. As for motive, it seems the most likely scenario for Glenna murdering Marty was to cover up the fact that the house was in foreclosure and that she has a severe gambling addiction. Would you agree with this? Absolutely agree. Plain and simple, covering up her lies and betrayal. Reports stated that nothing was missing from the house, so robbery seemed unlikely. 
We read that there were thousands of dollars in the residence, along with over 50 guns, when the scene was investigated. What became of the money and the guns later? Kids used the money to help pay for their dad's funeral, and guns were given to Marty's dad and sons after everything was sold in an estate auction done by a state lawyer. How soon after the incident did your and Marty's family begin to suspect Glenna? The minute my kids found the letters, parentheses, 24 hours later. And when, in your opinion, do you think investigators began to seriously consider Glenna a suspect? The very minute they saw her self-inflicted wounds and foreclosure papers in the house. Tell us about the searches on Glenna's cell phone related to Ruger handguns. According to reports, these searches took place early morning on the 12th, during which Glenna was also talking to her mom. Glenna's defense tried to state that there was no way to confirm that Glenna was the one making the search. I read on the Justice for Marty Facebook page that one was made nine seconds after a text to Glenna's mom. Can you tell us more about the searches and texts to her mother? I was surprised that she would be texting with her mom so early in the morning. Do you think it was to say goodbye? Like I said in one of the blog posts, parentheses, showed the details of the calls. That was my full opinion with the evidence of the exact calls. But as for what is normal for her to text her mom at those hours, her mom said yes. And here I'm going to read the blog post that Christina sent me. If we go by what neighbors, parentheses, Connie and Keith, of Marty's and Glenna told detectives, they last seen the couple after a visit at their house on May 11th around 9 or 9.15 p.m. And according to the phone usage of Marty that night, 9.34 p.m. was the last time he used his phone. So we would have to assume, in parentheses, Marty may have went to bed shortly after. And that is assumed because when Marty was found, he was only in his underwear. No brace for his left leg. Parentheses, the brace is much needed for Marty to walk with balance and properly. And no clothing on and being found in his bedroom very near his bed and laying on a pile of clothes, parentheses, as if they were day's outfits he removed at the bed and went to sleep. Of course, we have no way of truly knowing that is what happened. But like I said, the no clothing on, no brace on, and being so close to his bed when found, along with no more phone usage after 9.34 p.m. But Glenna's phone stayed active throughout the night, with conversations through texts and phone calls with her mom, Facebook, as well as searching the exact weapon that was used to kill Marty and shoot herself. Her last two uses of her phone were at 4.48 a.m. She texted her mom, parentheses, love you, sorry, and nine seconds later, she was searching the exact make and model of the murder weapon. Yes, nine seconds after she texted her mom, not minutes or nine hours, but nine seconds, which would make it very unlikely that a stranger took her phone nine seconds after Glenna sent the text to her mom, wouldn't you think? Oh, not to mention the weapon was also searched before the final text to her mom. So gun searches, text to mom, then one last gun search. Here are the details of the last phone usage on Glenna's phone. At 11.40 p.m., Glenna received a text from her mom, and at 3.28 a.m., Glenna responds to the 11.40 p.m. text from her mom, parentheses, confirmed by mom in interview. 
Then at 3.32 a.m., searched Ruger safety announcements. 3.33 a.m., Ruger inside and out. 3.34 a.m., Ruger safety blue book. 3.35 a.m., Ruger safety announcements. 4.48 a.m., text to mom, quote, sorry, love you. 4.48, nine seconds later, Ruger new model single six single action revolvers. Then no more phone usage on Glenna's end. Take into consideration that yes, each time she searches the weapon, it is for a very short time. Her lawyer has stated in court that, quote, what would Glenna learn in four minutes of searches with all the craziness going on? Well, for one, do we even know if anything crazy was even going on at that time? Seems like Marty was sleeping and it was Glenna up all night stressing about how she was going to do this as in killing Marty. This was not a heat of the moment, last minute murder. Glenna knew on May 12th was the last day she had to keep her secret. And why would somebody coming into the house not know how to use the weapon that they were going to use to shoot you with? Exactly. It just doesn't doesn't make make sense. sense. Why do you think it took them so long to make an arrest? The detectives told Glenna in her interview in October, parentheses five months after, that they were just waiting for her to be fully recovered, and that's what we believed as well. She was milking her injuries for all she could. Do you think the video played a role in the arrest of Glenna? Possibly, and not because it was evidence, but because it became a media sensation and the prosecution was being hounded by the media. I was never talked to by the prosecutor about the video, and it was never considered. So Marty's sister Donna was the reason the tape made it to the media, although she was unaware that the news station was going to run with it. You felt strong enough that Bud was mimicking the fatal argument, but you did not want the video shared with the public or investigators. Why was that? Because it's a chilling event, and I was in shock and horrified that Bud said all that. We always knew Glenna did this, but to hear Marty's possible last words was devastating. I found no reason to play it for the public. Donna didn't feel the same, obviously, not that she knew what it would do as going viral. But it bothered her to hear her brother's last words and just wanted someone else's opinion on it. When I watch the video of Bud, I get chills. I can make out most of what he is saying, but not all. Do you think this could have been an argument he often heard, given the tumultuous relationship family and friends describe? Could she have pointed a gun at Marty in the past? Or is Bud capable of learning a conversation after hearing it just once? Parts of it could be from past events, but no one that knew Bud or was around him before this ever heard him talk like that in two voices and scream out, don't shoot. It was traumatic, I'm sure. It was embedded in his brain after being there and seeing and hearing what he did. No, he does not usually pick things up that fast, but he never witnessed a murder before either. In the podcast, Minds of Madness, a gentleman known as the Bird Whisperer stated that African greys are the smartest of the parrot breed and that they feel the emotions of their owners. How is Bud doing today? Does he still mimic Marty? Bud is doing great, actually. He has a best friend, Ozzy, my other African gray I have had for 17 years. And yes, when emotions get high around here, he will go through that rant. 
So we understand from reports that there were disputes over Marty's estate, although there was no life insurance or will. Can you explain what was going on with Marty's estate? It seems that Glenna, as a surviving spouse, would have automatically inherited his possessions. And was the house still foreclosed on? Honestly, there was no dispute on our end. It was automatically sent to probate because no will was in place. And yes, under normal circumstances, Glenna would have been the heir to the estate. But look again, just because the media didn't call her a suspect, she was. Though this is the same small town courthouse that judge knew Glenna was the suspect. And the only way to correct the situation was to just auction all the property and pay the outstanding bills. We agreed on our end. Glenna was the only one disputing. Were there really death threats made between the families? And are there still any issues? No death threats, I swear. Again, that was coming from Fran the psychic. Not one time was any of the Durhams talked to about any threats made because the claims made were so outrageous they were never took seriously. Fran needs attention and tried really hard, it looks, to get it. So how are your children holding up? They are doing well considering. They are still trying to move on from all the drama surrounding their dad's murder and all the media attention. My sister and I have a running saying that a life sentence rarely means the person will spend the rest of their life in prison. Do you know if Glenna is eligible for parole and when that would be? In Michigan, premeditated first-degree murder is the worst possible crime, and it's automatically life with no possibility of parole. She will never get out. Is there anything else you would like to tell us? It's just a sad situation all the way around. Not only was Marty murdered, but because the police didn't fully do their jobs and my kids happened to find the letters and money, it gave the public and Glenna's family their way to somehow accuse my kids of murdering their dad and framing Glenna. Yeah, that is what Glenna and her family have been telling whoever will listen. Even in a few court hearings, Glenna yelled out in a rage, quote, Justin did this. That fucker set me up. They made it on the news. Box 17 was there when she did this one. My kids finding the letters and the money was all talked about in court, and all it proved even more was that nothing was took from the house at the time of the murder-suicide. And after four years, it's cool people love Bud, and he has a following, but it is so annoying that the media spun this in a direction I can't seem to correct. Not even four years later— Bud was never considered as evidence, and Bud did not tell us who killed Marty. We were literally told the next day that she did it, and were told to just keep it to ourselves for now until Glenna's health improved and they could arrest her. No one else was considered. They did clear people such as all family and all the names Glenna and her family gave as to who could have done it, but she was the only one named as a suspect. So those are all of the questions and answers. Again, we want to thank Christina Keller from taking the time to provide clarification and additional information. We were unable to find a copy of the original court transcripts online, but we did find a copy of Glenna's appeal. There is a link to it in the show notes of episode eight. We are working on our next episode, or I should say episodes, as it is a two-parter. Debbie, do you want to give them a sneak peek? Sure. We will be discussing Georgia Tan, who ran an illegal adoption operation in Memphis, Tennessee, from 1924 to 1950. 
She stole children from their biological parents and sold them to wealthy families. The first part of the series will talk about Georgia, her background, the Tennessee Children's Home Society that she operated, and the crimes she committed. The second part will discuss the stories of children who are victims and their journeys to find their biological parents. And you might be familiar with the fictional story about this called Before We Were Yours, which just is a fictional account of this, but it is based on an actual account. Georgia Tan stole over 5,000 children during the time that she operated the Tilden's Tennessee home, and she died and was never convicted. A very tragic story, and I, I think that there's been some media around it because a new book, Before and After, has come out that talks about some of these children who have uh, searched and found their biological parents or families. Yes, it's just, if you pitch this, you would think it was a fiction story but it's just an unbelievable tragedy that a lot of these parents died before ever finding their children. But we'll get more into depth on that in our next episode. So until then, make good choices, keep your head on a swivel, and stay safe. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of True Crime on Our Minds. Check out our Facebook page and website at truecrimeminds.com, where you can see photos and other information related to episodes and submit recommendations on other crimes. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts and provide us with a rating. You can also find us on Patreon and sign up to get extra content and support the show.